0: an extraordinary and a big God. We worship the God whose name is above every other name, the one who created the heavens, the earth, the stars in the sky, and everything under them. We worship the God who was, who is, and is to come, the one who says, I am. We worship the God who knows each and every one of us by name, who goes before, who is after, and who remains right by our side, always. We worship the God who leads us into paths of righteousness and goodness. We worship the God who promises to never forsake, nor to leave the side of those who are his faithful and beloved children. We worship a God who, throughout the ages, has overcome the darkness of evil and leads people into a better and into a more promising future. After being faced with many dark clouds and pain in his life, Joseph, son of Israel, reconciled with his brothers and their wicked ways by saying, Now, don't be upset and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me into slavery. God, the God you and I worship, Joseph sent me before you to save the lives of many and to make sure that you and many would survive this famine. God has used me in this amazing way. We were created by, and we worship, an extraordinary and an amazing God. I want to welcome each and every one of you to online worship in the name of our living God, whose being is oftentimes so grand that it's hard to fathom. My name is Brett Reith, and I serve as the pastor of the Mount Olivet, Durham, and LaGrange United Methodist Churches, located in Northeast Missouri. And whether you're a guest or a part of our family joining us for online worship, I say welcome to you as we're finishing our summer message series in the Old Testament book of Genesis, exploring the life journey of Joseph. Joseph, who was a man who had many dreams determined to remaining faithful to the Lord his God. The God who took Joseph from being a slave in Egypt to to a position of high power over all the people in the whole land of Egypt, being second only to Egypt's king, Pharaoh. By the world's standards, many Many would say that Joseph simply hit a a stroke of luck by going from being lowly of, of the lowlies to being the highest of highs. By going from pit to palace, from experiencing trial and tribulation to power and greatness. However, friends, these things didn't happen in Joseph's life by sheer luck. As we've seen throughout the past several weeks, Joseph was faithful to the Lord his God, and the Lord remained loyal to Joseph, making everything he did successful. And the Lord blessed Joseph greatly. What was it about Joseph that was so special? Well, you see, aside from him being faithful God, Joseph was a part of a much bigger plan of God establishing his people, Israel. As you might recall from the beginning of our series, Joseph's father, Jacob, he's also known as Israel, uh, Jacob was part of a chosen lineage to carry on the covenant made between God and Father Abraham. Before Jacob's death, he revealed to his 12 sons their destinies of establishing the 12 tribes of Israel and blessed them as such. This family, this large family, was chosen by God to play an essential role in the early life of the nation of Israel. However, as you and I are, they were very much human. And many of the twelve brothers allowed sin and evil to creep in on their lives and to lead them ultimately in paths of darkness and sin, causing a detour for the trajectory of God's plan. Joseph, unlike his other brothers, Joseph was different, though. He was determined to being steadfast in his faith and service to the Lord, enabling him to overcome a great deal of hardship, of pain and evil in his life. Yet it's apparent, it's apparent from our scripture reading for today, that even after offering reconciliation, Joseph's brothers don't fully comprehend or realize God's hand at work in the world, in their family, and in the life of Joseph. So we conclude our series today with our scripture reading. So I would invite you now to grab your Bible or maybe pull the text up from a Bible app on your smartphone uh, or tablet device if you're able to without interrupting this video. Today, our scripture reading comes from the very last chapter of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. And we'll be reading verses 12 through 22. Genesis 50 12 through 22. And I'll be reading from the Common English Bible. It should be close to what you have to be able to follow along. As you're turning there, let's catch up to speed on on from where we left off last week with chapter 45, uh, leading to our passage in chapter 50 today. After offering reconciliation uh, With his brothers, Joseph offered a safe haven, a place for his father, his brothers, and their entire households to live in Egypt amid a harsh famine. He guaranteed that they would be well fed, that they would be taken care of, and that they would have everything they needed to survive. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, signed off on this offer that Joseph made to his brothers. And in fact, our scripture says that Pharaoh experienced great joy for his second-in-command Joseph, even though by allowing Joseph's family to move to Egypt, he would ultimately be allowing a large group of Hebrew foreigners to inhabit his land. And so Jacob and his family, they moved to the land of Goshen. Because of Joseph and Pharaoh's hospitality, they survived the ha- famine, and Jacob, being of old age, while well, he begins to near his death. Again, before Jacob's death, he foretold their destinies, the destinies of his sons. He blessed them, and he gave them orders to bury him back in the land of Abraham, his ancestor. Jacob passed away. And the twelve sons, along with all the Egyptians, they mourned over his death, following his burial. Following the burial, Joseph, his brothers, and everyone returned back to Egypt, which is where we pick up in our scripture reading for today in Genesis, the 50th chapter, verses 12 through 22. It says, When Joseph's brothers realized that their father was now dead, They said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and wants to pay us back seriously for all of the terrible things we did to him? So they approached Joseph and they said, your father gave orders before he died. And he said to us, this is what you should say to Joseph. Please forgive your brother's sins and misdeeds for they did terrible things to you. Now please forgive the sins of us, your servants, of your father's God. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers wept as well. They fell down in front of him and they said, we are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I God? You planned something bad for me, but God, but God produced something good from it in order to save the lives of many people just as he is doing today. Now don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. So Joseph put them at ease and spoke reassuringly to them. Thus Joseph lived in Egypt, he and his father's household. And Joseph lived for 110 years. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Joseph's brother's lack of confidence and trust in both their brother and God is apparent. And it seems as though they thought Joseph only smoothed things over temporarily with them in order to avoid causing more pain and suffering for their father, Jacob. This passage has several lessons to it, friends. It's the first time the brothers actually ask Joseph for forgiveness. Up to this point, they had only shown remorse for their actions when faced with possible persecution and being enslaved. It's also important to understand that most biblical scholars agree that while nowhere in Genesis asserts that Jacob told his sons to smooth things over with Joseph by asking for forgiveness, as they claim in verse 17, it's most likely that Jacob would have, in fact, appealed to his sons to make amends with Joseph. After all, being deceitful, after all that had transpired would counter the radical transformation story in their lives and in the life of their family. Then we get to Joseph and Joseph's response of compassion, of grace, of humility and reassurance. Joseph reiterates, Again, that there's no need for them to be afraid, and that it is God and God alone who casts judgment. He continues by saying that while they had intended to do harm against Joseph, God intended to do something good. And friends, God's providence always prevails. Hear that again. God's providence, God's purpose and God's plan always prevails. God didn't cause Jacob's sons to be wicked or to do evil things towards Joseph. God didn't cause Joseph to be sold into slavery. God didn't cause Joseph to be falsely accused and thrown in prison. God did, God did have a higher purpose for Joseph's life and ensured that that plan was accomplished. You see, God always wins. God always wins, and if God has a plan and purpose, I believe wholeheartedly that that one way or another God will make sure that that plan is accomplished, despite our human ability to often get in the way. Something troubling for me is that in times of tragedy and crisis is how easily people claim that God is responsible for the bad things that happen in this world. That through a virus, God is somehow punishing us. Or by sending hurricanes or natural disasters to destroy entire communities, somehow God is trying to warn people. Or that God is the cause of someone getting cancer or, or people being violent towards other people. I do not believe that the God we serve That the God we worship does things to intentionally harm his creation. I do not believe that. After all, following the flood in Genesis, God said, never again will I send a flood to destroy all people living on the earth that I created. I believe, though, that throughout the ages, God has proven to us, That in the face of unfortunate circumstances or, or something bad happening, that God can make something good. Joseph's brothers intended for something bad to happen to him, but God intended to use Joseph for good and to save the lives of many. The chief priests and the Pharisees, they intended to do something bad by executing Jesus Christ, the Messiah of Nazareth, but God intended to use Jesus' death to restore a relationship forever with his beloved children. In this ongoing season, of crisis and of unfortunate circumstances and really, in light of some of the bad things that have gone on, what good is God trying to produce? How is God trying to transform you individually, us as a church community? us as a nation, and even as a world, what good does God intend to make for today? My prayer and my hope is that we would take intentional time to be in prayer to individually and as a church consider what good God is trying to teach us from these unfortunate circumstances. That we would learn something and that we would be reminded that the mission of Jesus Christ comes first above everything else. My prayer is that we would put personal preferences and our desires aside and focus entirely on what God is asking us to do as disciples of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. That by the Holy Spirit's power, God would come and do something new in us again and make something beautiful and something good out of a season full of chaos, and tragic events, the challenge for us, similar to Joseph, is we must remain patient and faithful in the Lord. Because often our time and how fast we think things should occur aren't necessarily God's time. And so like Joseph, we must remain patient. We must remain determined to serving the Lord and God will remain loyal to us. In a season of challenges and darkness, friends, what good is God producing? In Romans eight twenty eight, Paul, the apostle, says, We know that God works all things together for good, for the good of the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. May we always, always, always be determined to loving God with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls, and be committed to God's purpose for our life. Together might we dream for a better tomorrow. Might we dream together for a world that is full of goodness, of grace, and love. As we pray those words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may we remember, friends, remember, that no matter the circumstances or the evil that we face in this life, our God alone, Our God is a way maker. Our God keeps promises. Our God is the light in the darkness. Darkness and evil may try to overcome us, but God, God's light, God's providence, and God's purpose will always, always, always prevail. Think about that for a moment, and then we'll pray. Almighty and merciful God. God, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth. And in our lives. As it is in heaven. God, in the midst of chaos. In the midst of of darkness in the midst of the storm god would you come and make something beautiful make something good god would we have open minds and hearts to being led by your holy spirit of goodness and grace that we all would grow from this season that we find ourselves in and that together we would be made whole and new again. God, in this season, would you teach us something and would you help us to grow and to be better as your faithful disciples? And God, would you use us for a higher purpose? of loving our neighbors as ourselves, and of being peacemakers in a world full of violence, of hate, and suffering of all kinds. God, we belong to you and no other. And God, you, you alone our God. We praise you, we worship you, and we give thanks for the many blessings in our lives and how you are working in us in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And together we say amen and amen.